This is the Unregulated Podcast by City AM. I'm Kathleen Morrison. Today, the book every chief executive and Donald Trump needs to read. Donald Trump is the CEO of a type. Hello and welcome to the Unregulated Podcast. We're now on episode three, which we're recording in the amazing studio at White City Place, thanks to Huckletree, the digital lifestyle co-working space. This week, we're speaking to Des Dearlove, co-founder of management group Thinkers50 and one of the authors of the new book, Dear CEO, a series of letters written by business thinkers and leaders to chief executives. Despotic CEOs. Well, I think there's one or two of those around anyway. Welcome, Des. If we could just get a description of what it is that Thinkers50 does. So um, thanks for inviting me on, first and foremost. It's nice to be here. Um, Thinkers 50 started in 2001, so we've been going a decade and a half now. Um, it's something I started with my colleague Stuart Craner. We were both working as journalists at the time, and we felt there was a gap in the market in the sense that nobody had ever done a ranking of all the business and management gurus. So there were all these people writing books, and the industry was really beginning to, you know, it was really exploding. But there was no kind of filter, or no one was curating it. So what we set out to do was to uh, scan, rank, and then share the best management ideas in the world. And we create a a ranking of 50. So the Thinkers 50 are the top business thinkers in the world. And we uh, publish that every two years. And how does one go about getting into the Thinkers 50? Uh, You have to come to our attention um, one way or another. People do. um, There's an opportunity to be nominated on our website at thinkers50.com. And people do, believe it or not, nominate themselves. <laughs> to, you know, Sometimes that's um, an, a successful um, strategy, but not usually. But if we see a lot of people are nominating a certain thinker, we will have a look at them. But we look in the kind of, I mean, you know, the usual places, we, we used to look in places like Harvard Business School for you know, the top professors there, London Business School, INSEAD. But as the world continues to expand, you know, in terms of the, the um, I guess, the epicentre of, of business is no longer North America and Europe. So now we have to try and trawl our way through the Chinese universities and, you know, look in Japan and Singapore and all those places. So it always was a global ranking. It's getting more and more global and it's getting, you know, more and more of a task to try to, um, you know, identify. Okay, great. Um, so this book that you've um, co-authored um, with Stuart, uh, yeah. Dear CEO, When did you come up with this? So the idea behind Dear CEO was, uh, again, a very simple one. We've created this network where we think we we kind of um, have done a reasonably good job of curating the best management thinkers and ideas. We know there's a lot of people. If you're the if you're the CEO of Marks and Spencer or BT in the UK and you want access to the best minds, you know, you can hire Clay Christensen from Harvard Business School or if you've really got the money, you can get Michael Porter from Harvard Business School and you can pay them and you can get their latest thinking. Mm-hmm. Most of us haven't got that opportunity. Most of us don't have you know, pockets quite that deep. So what we were trying to do, I said earlier that, that our mission is to scan, rank and share. The share part is we try to make the ideas, the best ideas, accessible to to everyone really everybody who's interested in business and management there's an awful lot of people out there you know entrepreneurs people who've got small companies people who are managers in companies and really want to stay up to speed but it's so hard these days because there's so much stuff coming at you the whole time so that the kind of the idea behind the thinkers 50 in the first place was 
you know, to be a filter to curate mm-hmm. that stuff so that if you're only going to read a couple of books, these are the books on strategy you should read. This is the book on leadership. You know, it's that kind of approach. So what we did this time was we invited, we picked a bunch of people we thought had interesting ideas and we invited them to write a letter to the world's CEOs. And, you know, that's everything from the CEO of Microsoft down to, you know, the CEO of one man and his dog business and say, and basically the the message was, what is the most important issue that they should be addressing in 2017? Um, And we picked the best 50 letters um, you know responses. So there, so it's it's fifty takes fifty points of view from fifty of the world's leading management thinkers. So it's it's accessible to everybody. You, you can buy the book even if you can't afford to buy these guys from Harvard Business School or you know the Stanford or London Business School um, or the top consulting firms and the Kinseys. You can at least get a, a glimpse of of what the future holds and what you should be thinking about. Okay. So what was your criteria for picking the letters? We, well, that's an interesting point. We wanted a mix. So we've got people in, in the book, you know, from Tom Peters, um, you know, who was kind of the original management guru who really kind of started the whole industry, wrote In Search of Excellence back in the 1980s. So we've got people who've been around a long time. Tom's still saying things which are, you know, thought-provoking, relevant. Uh, you know, he's still got a very interesting turn of mind and he's seen an awful lot of business cycles. So it's a mix of the old guard but also we're really keen to have the young voices coming through. So we tried to mix it up uh, in terms of the demographic. We've tried to mix it up in terms of the geography. We've got people from all over the world. We've got Chinese thinkers. We've got you know, uh, North American thinkers. We've got European thinkers. We've got Scandinavian thinkers. So it's a, it's a real um, you know, mix of people. Um, and then we were looking for really what we thought were the most sort of new, um, challenging ideas. The people in the main that have written these letters they're not CEOs themselves so what, how are they best placed to tell actual CEOs what they should be doing some of them will be uh, will have been CEOs a lot of them are former executives mm-hmm. so someone like Neela for Merchant who used to work for Apple and would have worked with Steve Jobs when he was there so people who have been had corporate roles but yeah you're right some of them are some of them are you know business school professors so what, what do they know you might say. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a fair point. But at the same time, you know, they're educating the MBAs of the world who then go on to run businesses. So I, I think they have got something to say. I think they do have a message. Um, and some of them have run companies, some of them haven't run companies. But, you know, it, as, as I said, it's a real mix. And the mix is the thing, I think. What's your favourite letter? My favourite letter? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, I like the letter from Neela for Merchant, who I mentioned earlier, who's mm-hmm. a um, former Apple executive. She's got an interesting story in herself because she was of um, Indian extraction. And I think one of the first big decisions she made was to not go through with the arranged marriage that her parents thought she was going to go through with and run away. Um, and she's been sort of um, going against the grain ever since. So she's an interesting character. And um, her concept, her new book, is about something she calls onlyness. And onlyness is what is unique about each one of us. Mm-hmm. And so what she's saying is if we if we're true to what we really bring to the world and where we stand in the world, that's our best. If you like, that's our real competitive advantage. It's not in trying to be the same as other people. It's not actually in having an MBA because there's lots of people with an MBA or you know a, a qualification in business. It's really about thinking very hard about what it is that you and only you bring to the world. And, it, and the same applies to CEOs. What is what is the thing that, that only you can do? 
And that's what you should be thinking about and trying to make a difference with. So I think that's my favourite. Well, that raises an interesting point for me because one of the letters that stuck out um, when I was having a look through the book was um, one of the first letters. It's about CEOs need to pursue their own definition of success mm. and kind of not not the organisations. That seemed odd to me because surely we don't want like despotic CEOs just doing whatever they want with a company. Oh, okay. So that's an interesting thought. Despotic CEOs. Well, I think there's one or two of those around anyway, but um, <laughs> we won't we won't get into that. I won't name any names. Um, yeah, when we when. Um, my my business partner and I, when Stuart and I sort of ran our editorial eye over it, we, we could see patterns in the letters. And it's interesting you've picked on that because one of the, we saw, we talk about six new mindsets, which are kind of um, uh, sort of turn thinking on its head because they're not, they're, um, they're kind of counterintuitive. And one of them, interestingly enough, was rethink what success looks like. Um, so I'm not sure if it's the same letter that you were referring to, but um, there was an interesting comment from in one of the letters from one of the um, thinkers, which was the purpose of business really is not to maximise shareholder value, but to make the world a better place for everybody through its products and services. And that's Costas Marquides from London Business School. And I think at the organi- what we were saying is at the organisational level, let's let's rethink what success is. It's not necessarily maximizing shareholder value it's not necessarily making the biggest profits you know organizations exist for higher purposes than that mm-hmm. but the other part to it was you know really thinking about what individual success is because a lot of ceos i think you know you climb the greasy pole and you don't really think beyond becoming the ceo or you think that's the kind of the be all and end all and, and actually a lot of people get burned out and, and badly damaged um but you know by the corporate process and maybe it's time to rethink what individual success is. So again, another quote I liked was, and this is from um, Jamie Anderson. So people in the C-suite are questioning whose dreams they've been living. There's nothing wrong with career success, but the responsibilities are that accompany high achievement in most organisations place an overwhelming emphasis on loyalty to the institution ahead of wider life goals. So it's a sense that, you know, there's more to life than being a CEO Mm -hmm. as well so I think it's it's understanding that and and being perhaps you know more more marriages would survive and more you know there'd be more happy families if if CEOs realize that it's not just about the organization it's not just about you know a career more long-term CEOs yeah there you go that's what we want (laughs) um well on that note is are there kind of characteristics or is there a type of person that you think makes a good CEO and are there certain people who really should not and would not make it to the top level? I think um, there's been a lot of, as you know, there's been a lot of research done over the years about, you know, leadership and what makes great leaders. I mean, and, you know, we've been talking about this for, I mean, literally for thousands of years. Homer, all the way back to the Greeks, is talking about, you know, what makes a great leader. Machiavelli comes in with his point of view. You know, there's, <laughs> there's all these different people throughout history. And we still haven't really resolved it. I think, you know, the sum total of all this research is to suggest that... Um, you know, in, in general, leaders tend to be a little bit taller. They tend to be, you know, first born in families. I mean, you know, it's stuff that really you'd think the amount of money that's been invested would have come a bit further with it. More seriously, I think leadership is evolving. It continues to evolve. I think now we're looking for inclusive leaders rather than despots. <laughs> um, I think we want people who are in it for the purpose and for the greater good. Um, I mean, I don't think, you know, we shouldn't be looking for saints, but I think there is a sense that we're looking for people who are a bit more rounded, Mm -hmm. um, 
sense. In fact, some very interesting work has been done um, in recent, in the last couple of years, um, about introverts and what they bring. Because I think in the past we've tended to think that leaders have to be extroverts, mm -hmm. and actually it turns out it would seem that quite often quiet leaders um, are more effective if, if they can be listened to because they bring less ego to it. Are there any CEOs that you can think of that you think would benefit from reading this book? <laughs> Most of the CEOs I can think of would benefit from reading this book. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting too. We got we were very pleased because we had um, Zhang Wei Min, who's the CEO of Hire Corporation, which is you know big Chinese success. It's now the biggest. Um, you know, started really humble beginnings and is now the largest white goods manufacturer in the world. So it's overtaken GE and all the big American giants and all the Korean giants. So he wrote a forward to the book and he's a big believer in, um, you know, management thinkers. Um, and he's also, interestingly, in conversation, he's probably the best, the most well-read CEO Stuart and I have ever encountered. He's, you know, he's fantastic. And his curiosity about ideas and about um, understanding, you know, what's going on and what, what's new is, is really refreshing. Most CEOs would, CEOs would tell you they haven't got time to read books about management. Um, so, again, this is, this is performing a service, really, because this is a very compressed book. Mm -hmm. you, get, you get 50 tips of 50 icebergs. And if anything, you know, if any of the letters are of interest, you know, obviously go out and seek out the books from, from these thinkers and, and learn more about them. One thing that would be useful for listeners is if you could just outline some of the key lessons people can learn from the book? I think when we looked at the letters in the, in the round, um, what was uh, at, in, at one level perhaps surprising but also slightly reassuring was that we could see patterns. There are sort of trends that these people are nodding to. And although they may be approaching issues very differently um, and have different kind of um, standing you know, places they start from, we detected six uh, trends, six points, as I said, that, um, that are coming through. So they are, we've mentioned, we think what success looks like, which was, which was one very clearly coming through in terms of individual, but also organisational success. Another one was think people, not data. I mean, there's an awful lot of talk about big data. There's an awful talk, lot of talk about, you know, diagnostic tools and wonderful um, algorithms that can do all sorts of funky things. There's a lot of talk about robots um, and machine learning, but the message from our thinkers was it's still people at the end of the day that, that drive a business. Um, you know, so uh, Martin Lindstrom, who's a Danish uh, consultant, said, you know, data doesn't create meaning, we do. Um, the executive needs to be far more than a data analyst. He should constantly or she should constantly strive to see the world from a customer's point of view. He must dare and she must dare to trust their instincts. So I think that was the second point. So reevaluate success. Um, think people, not data. Uh, open up. Um, Organisations have been very siloed. We know they've been very um, secretive in the past, but we're now in the era of open innovation. You can't expect to corral all of the smart people into your organisation. And actually, you know, the way of doing business now is much more collaborative. So open everything up. You know, open up your innovation, open up your, your, your ideas, open up your talent pools and be prepared to work um, with other people. Um, a, a fourth one was eliminate to accumulate. Again, you know, we, we lived through an era where people were constantly trying to accumulate by getting more. But actually, often, you know, less is more. 
people can't you can't be great at everything so figure out what it is that you are going to really concentrate on and uh, again a quote from Antonio Nieto Rodriguez who's the kind of the project management champion global project management champion he says fewer priorities less projects more benefits better results so again you know even even the way he puts it is very pithy and very um, you know minimal if you like um, so so uh, less is more so that was another one and then the other two the other two messages were ask challenging questions a lot of executives I've met over the years you tend to think you sort of know the answers everything's been tried and you get to the top and you almost you, you can see that a lot of CEOs the job is to actually you know knock people's ideas down but as um, Clay Christensen from Harvard Business School says without new questions there's no place for new answers so you, it's, you know, naive questions, challenging questions, questions which stretch the imagination. So that was the fifth point. And the final one was to be the future. Don't just imagine the future, be it. And we see that with you know, certain companies like Tesla at the moment, you know, the, the, the driverless car. Some people, the car companies are still kind of getting to grips with the technology. And you know, in this country, in the UK, we are kind of in this transition now, it would seem, to um, you know, getting rid of the combustion engine, getting rid of petrol and diesel cars, which is going to take us goodness knows how long. But then, then you've got other companies that are just saying, well, actually, you know, we're just going to create the future now. We're not going to transition. We're just going to go straight there. And I think that's the way to go forward, to leap forward and have the courage to do that. You mentioned challenging questions. Hmm. So hopefully this isn't a challenge for you. Um, <laughs> What are the worst CEO moments that you can recall in all your kind of research around the field of management, the kind of biggest fails from chief execs? I think whenever you see hubris, whenever you, whenever you get to the point of arrogance, you know that you're about to fall. And I think, um, you know, we, we've probably all seen that in people. I think when people lose the intellectual curiosity, when they lose their interest in what other people think, I think that's when the danger signals should start, um, you know, flashing. Um, and I'm not going to name names because that wouldn't be fair. But I've seen plenty of people who, you, you, you meet them, and as I said, you're either impressed. I, I mean, I, I can tell you a couple of people that I've been very impressed with. Zhang Weimin is a very impressive individual. He doesn't speak any English, mm -hmm. but through his translator, he's he's very very switched on, and he's got a a kind of a, a business strategy and approach at hire, which is continual and continuous revolution. Mm -hmm. You know, he never ever rests on his laurels. That company continues to reinvent itself. So he's in, impressive. Um, and the the former CEO of Nova Nordisk, who was at a we did an event, Thinkers Fifty did an event in Denmark. Very very impressive guy, completely open. He very participative. He answered questions very openly. He was um, curious about what people in the audience thought. Very very nice man. You can see why he was um, Harvard Business Review made him the number one CEO in the world in terms of his performance over the last few years. And you can see it. You know, he's, this guy just kind of you know quietly confident. But very, very, um, you know, very, very uh, open and curious, and um, and willing to listen. What are the worst crimes a CEO can commit in their in their job? Well, well, we know what some of the crimes are. Um, you know, embezzlement. I mean, going off with the <laughs> going off with the money. But I mean, I think um, I think when I think when you don't have respect, you know, for the people around you, when when you think you know all the answers, as I say, when I, when I think that arrogance starts to kick in, um, I mean. How can I put this? Donald Trump is the CEO of a type. We've yeah. seen that sort of CEO. I mean, we're now seeing him on a on a world stage. Yeah. I'm not sure that he's handling 
the interpersonal situations or the diplomacy as well as you would like. There are CEOs who would do a much better job. I think in, in many ways Donald Trump actually uh, manifests many of the worst traits of CEOs. You know, it, it's that you're fired. You know, I've made a mistake, you're fired sort of sense that we get from him. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. And I think, um, you know, I would, I would definitely recommend this book to Donald Trump. Hopefully well, he takes you up on that before North Korea starts. Yes, let's hope bombing so. Us all to bits. Let's hope so. So you have written this business book and obviously you hope people read it. What's yeah. your favourite business book? My favourite business book? Ooh, um, I'm a big fan of a book called The Fortune at the Bottom of the Pyramid, which was a book written by C.K. Prahalad. And I think it's, it was a very... Um, challenging book suggesting that actually the um, business has a role to play in eradicating poverty so it was a kind of a big think book mm -hmm. um, we named our we have a the thinkers 50 has an award which is the breakthrough idea award and we named it after ck sadly he's no longer with us but it's the ck Prahalad, um breakthrough idea award and we present that every two years so that's a favorite book of mine uh, what do i like at the moment that's out there onlyness i mentioned neela for merchants mm -hmm. book there's a book called Emotional Agility by Susan David, which is, she's also been nominated for the Thinkers 50 um, uh, Achievement Awards, which the Financial Times helpfully calls the Oscars of Management Thinking. So they're some of my favourite books at the moment. And you can go all the way back to Tom Peters, In Search of Excellence. I mean, it's the business classic. So in creating all these kind of thoughts from business thinkers, how do you cut through the bullshit, all the jargon and <laughs> bad management speak? Yeah, I think... Um, you know, and I was writing when I we were being journalists. I remember writing an article for the Times, which was about buzzword bingo. When the you know when the employees were ticking off every time the manager said one of these one of these silly buzzwords, they would tick it off, and they were having their little joke behind the you know behind the manager's back. Stuart and I and the Thinkers Fifty, we are very anti that management jargon stuff. You should be able to express ideas. I mean, a lot of the work we do, the consulting work we do, is to go into business schools and work with professors and consultants, and try to get them to explain their ideas in English so that we can all understand it. It should be accessible. But in my experience, when you hear somebody using a lot of jargon, it's a bit like the emperor's clothes, you know. Um, quite often it's because really there's nothing there. If it can't be expressed in plain English, you know, we get people saying to us, you're trying to dumb down my ideas, and we usually say, no, we're trying to dumb up your ideas. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to make them more meaningful. But if you can't express them in plain English, you haven't got anything. And quite often when people are very defensive and they use a lot of, they hide behind a lot of management jargon, it's because they either don't know what they're talking about, they don't know the stuff, and they think it's safe to hide behind the jargon, or there's nothing there. You know, they're, they're naked, they're parading down the street thinking they're wearing this wonderful new suit of clothes and they've got nothing. So we are very, I think we're very uh, critical of that kind of stuff. So I think we've got good bullshit detectors. Do you have a favourite piece of bullshit business speak? Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of it right now. I, 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 Mine is going forward. I going forward, think. okay. Just say tomorrow or like next yeah. week. No, but that's, but that's, that's um, what's the one people talk about um, synergistically? <laughs> you know, that one is like, you know, synergistic, really? You know, it's not even a word. No. <laughs> but you hear people hear people using it. To justify a merger that doesn't make sense quite often, people talk about, a lot about synergy and all this stuff, you know. But there's better, there's much better language, you know. Um, we're very anti that. Thinkers 50, you know, down with jargon, down with management jargon. Um, when I was a journalist, you weren't allowed to use it because if, if, if people couldn't understand it, you weren't allowed to use it. And I think that's still a very good policy. 
So CEOs could learn a lot from journalists, as it turns out. Uh, that's true. Great, thank you. That's all we have time for this week. You can find out more about Thinkers 50 on the Thinkers 50 podcast, available on iTunes. And if you like this podcast, please like and subscribe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen. And make sure to follow us on Twitter on at UnregulatedPod for updates and to share any advice you might have for CEOs. With thanks to Emma, who is producing this week and who is both tall and the eldest in her family, so a great leader. Yeah, I am. And thanks to Huckletree and White City Place, this has been the Unregulated Podcast. 